0: Welcome to the Art of Mindset podcast, where we really try to have some electrifying guests and people that kind of push into different industries and guests and styles and ways of thinking to kind of master success and well-being and so, so much more. And with all of that, we like to always find people that push the envelope and with that today's guest, i'm really excited to have on the show uh, they've been able to kind of break into the cuff or break through a cuff into being a better version of themselves starting a business in a non-traditional way and a lot of my guests recently have been in this health and wellness industry and with that i'm trying to kind of propagate and promote the idea that we should find ourselves and find the best versions our best versions of ourselves. So let me ask you this: why should you stick around? Why should you stick through the show? Well, today we really have some explosive insights that could reshape your entire life, work, and the way you think. And in our conversations, we find game changer moments, tactics, and strategies that Even if you're pushed into a corner and subdued and suppressed or oppressed, uh, it really confines you a tactic to release and find a way of hacking into the art of mindset. So let's buckle up. Let's begin this journey and let's have a conversation with Tanya because it's one that's worth listening to. Tanya, it's so exciting to have you on the show. Uh, I know we've talked previously to this, and I know our guests are going to really enjoy this recording and really what you have to say uh, in this show as well. Uh, so, But first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and really chatting with us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to all that we're going to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, as you know, in in the premise of the show, uh, we like to talk about the mind and the concept of art of the mindset, right? Uh, And getting into how did that fundamentally devise itself into where it is now. Um, With that, one of my favorite questions to kind of always start my shows off with is I want to know who Tanya was as a child. So, who were you as a kid on the playground?
1: Oh wow, who was i? um I was uh sort of a loner always um a lot of negative family stuff, so i uh learned to find myself and in my inner stillness at a really early age so i I was the kid that kind of stayed away and um I read a lot and, you know, as a kid stumbling through the woods, you know, eating random flowers or trying to make potions with the flowers and um, really trying to, to make friends with animals in the woods. That was kind of me as, as a kid, um, really into, I started martial arts at around nine. So that was, you know, I was just always something in that field
0: yeah yeah that's it's kind of interesting again how people have these developmental lifestyles Of again everyone has has their events in their lives and 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 kind of things that kind of set the mood if you will for how their life is going to move forward and struggles in it and you know as a a child it's tough for that and the, the lifestyles things that we experience in that of just trying to figure out who we are and and I think that's the bigger aspect of it, of just the mind, of just the art of it is that as a child, you're trying to find your way, um, but life and the world is kind of setting that that precipice or that, uh, that pre- predestined reality, if you will, of where just like what they believe in, which you should be and what you what you're trying to find yourself into being. So you're always looking for this acceptance reality. So, for you, as you kind of transitioned through life, what was that trajectory for you? Where did you see Tanya going at that point of view?
1: You know, um, always like, okay, I always had this instinct to touch. My grandmother had uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and I would just try to rub her and make her feel better. But what I did actually worked, you know, for her. You know, I was six, eight years old, you know, and um I, I always wanted to touch people that were in pain, like my teachers in school even. I would massage them. And then it got to where, oh, I want Tanya in my class next year <laughs> because she's gonna give me a background. And so I just I don't know, it was always I think I had um I wanted to be Bruce Lee or like that, you know, and um I didn't re- like I wanted to be sort of a, you know, a doctor. I, I knew that that sort of path you know would would take its its form, but I didn't know that it was going to end up in this in this alternative wellness spectrum. Um when I graduated high school, my grandmother surprised me with paying for massage school. And I went straight into that from, you know, graduating high school. And it was a a whole different world going into that. And that was the chance to really heal all of that previous trauma that, you know, was apparent in childhood. I mean, my dad's family never really accepted me. They, um, I remember at about the age of seven at a Christmas Eve dinner, I overheard my aunts on my father's side saying, well, we don't really like Anna, my mother, so we don't accept her. So we don't accept that child either. So hearing that, I was just like, ah, you know, like the, the, just my heart broke. But then I thought, I was like, you know, Because I had an experience, we went to a family funeral and everyone was crying. And to me, I'm like, why are you guys crying? You're standing right over there. I didn't say anything, you know, but to me, that's what I was thinking. So I had had these experiences. And so I knew when that was said, when I overheard it, I was like, it's just, it's because I am different than they are, it's a different way of being. And so I just, I had to dig in really right then and and figure out how to start loving myself bit by bit because nobody else was going to do it for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably, again, a lot of of people I've talked with, a lot of entrepreneurs, again, leaders, innovators, even people in the world of just, you know, just living through life. We're all trying to figure out that aspect of loving self. And I think in the health and wellness industry and the wellness industry, and more specifically, uh, it's kind of a re- reciprocated component, a little bit more, where people are recognizing the idea of like, if I love myself, I love thy other. You know, kind of reality, where I'm starting to see that. For for you, in that development of just trying to find your own, I guess love, if you saw, in lack of better words, for yourself. How did how were you able to grasp into that to find that? in those moments?
1: Um, I would just, um, well, I looked around and I saw that not everyone's family was like mine. Um, luckily I had really wonderful grandparents on my mom's side and they really nurtured that esoteric nature within me. And I guess gave me, they pointed out the things I was good at. And, um, so I just. Kind of tapped in. I was like, well, you know, I may have this going on, but, you know, I just, I guess I realized at a really young age that people were really different. And, you know, I, I have a visual impairment that will cause, it's not a lazy eye, but especially when my eyes get tired, one will sort of move or, or they'll, there's rapid eye movement. And so that really got me kind of bullied really bad early on. In, in school. And uh, so that kind of even drove it harder to, to find that self-love. But I was like, well, these kids hate me and they're mean and they seem unhappy, but the teachers really like me. So if they're the ones that decide my grade, I'm pretty sure that what they say kind of matters more. I just put that together at very early on and just when I was like, I just decided I don't care. I don't want to be like any of these people that have all these mean things to say, and just followed my gut.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good. You know, that's the that's the strength of being able to find that <clears throat> that other people might not be through yeah for you for you that's what i was about to ask you know for you in that in that in the aspect of it of just trying to again find yourself of being that did you have tools like in the in the toolbox you know because i at seven years old i can tell you you know i was 16 20 25 until i found meditation or mindfulness or like figuring out like all of these deeper components of myself
1: I found that when I was nine and 11. I started practicing meditation at 11. That was when my martial arts teacher introduced us to it. And I was like,
0: wow. How was that for you? How was that?
1: It was, I think, the first time I really kind of touched upon that moment of that infinite consciousness and that bliss, I realized at that moment that there is nothing anyone else can do that can break this person. You know, or that this person may be broken but this person is still whole. And then, you know, as long it 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 gave me an early understanding that I am in control of this person only and that to just dig in, you know. And then that bliss, that that moment where you know the tears fall and you just feel so happy and so joyful. I realized that and that feeling and even though, you know, growing up pubescent, uh, you know, the endocrine uh, madness that happens during puberty, you know, those ups and downs, you made it hard to hold on to that sometimes, but it was always in the back of my mind. And I think that little thing got me through and just I was like, wait a second, there's more to this and then I found some other people um at school that were more into magical practices and things. And we got together and actually we're still connected to this day from the age of 13 years old. So that's, yeah, 30 years. And in high school, I, there was a, I guess a a meetup group that met at a coffee shop and it was a bunch of older people, um, just pagan type people, different sort of, magical orientations. And I met my mentor, Susan, and I didn't know that her husband was the art teacher at the next school I would transfer to. So here I am, you know, practicing and hanging out with these much older people. One of them is a teacher at my school and just going to school and pretending like nothing happened over the weekend that I wasn't at their house, you know, doing all this we didn't know each other haha ha. and so you know that mentorship with Susan lasted until she passed away last year and um she taught me everything about herbalism and fueled that passion for herbalism and alternative medicine so that even started before massage school and so that that it, you know it's not that like i needed to be accepted by these elder people as you know, coming into their fold to, to know my worth, but it was definitely the universe going, no, you're not this passed away. You are going
0: this way. Yeah. It, yeah. And I want, I want to say, I'm curious in my own regard for, for the martial art, what, what form of martial art was it? Was it like karate or jujitsu or
1: I started with Taekwondo. Uh, I did Taekwondo from nine to 13. And then I switched and uh, started training with a Shaolin monk here in town. Um, Yeah, it was before. Now he's got like three schools, but this was before he even had a school. We met at the University of South Alabama gym before they even had the nice student center. It was just this crappy gym. You know, we didn't have uniforms. And I trained under him for the next 25 years in northern style kung fu and uh sand shell kickboxing and then in between i i did some thai boxing with you know just here and there and then i found krav maga and that was just wow
0: yeah yeah that yeah krav maga is that that's that's some that's some powerful stuff i i did karate you know growing up but I never got into those other disciplines, and I, I would love to. For, for you, when that meditation was kind of introduced, who was who, your teacher at that point?
1: It was actually uh, my Taekwondo teacher, um, you know, and then very much reinforced with uh, my next uh, Shifu. So, of course, we meditated and did a lot of Qigong, but it was first introduced by my Taekwondo teacher. It was before this really big tournament. And he was like, okay, I'm going to teach you guys how to meditate. And I want you to do this every day. And so he just taught us. It was a very simple method and very close to what I do now, where you start at either the foot or the head and you tighten and loosen each part of your body to learn how to relax. And then just a breath observance and the breath filling. And he had a sort of, imagine the breath to be this or that. Um, and then, you know, I learned the Zen meditation of just emptying the mind and observing the breath.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty powerful stuff, you know, getting into it at at such a young age and just figuring that all out and getting, getting into those, those states of being of just figuring out, you know, who you are or what you are as a, as a human and trying to figure out what you, what you're, passion is or what your discipline is over your body of just recognizing the energy flows inside of it um there's a, there's a lot a lot into that that could be unloaded and I can't imagine unpacking that at such a young age
1: and in the massage I mean you you figure 18 years old I was still a kid yeah going into that really I mean the frontal lobe doesn't completely develop until you're what 25 so You know, and and that was just like, whoa, I mean, uh, they wanted you to face every single shadow that you possibly could before you are turned out to touch others. And um, then I, I met my Reiki master as well when I was in massage school and got attuned and became second degree while I was in school. And then I think about 15 years ago, I became a master. After, you know, those years of practice, 10 years of practice. And so it's, and then that just fueled this hunger for all this knowledge. I think the first two years after I graduated, I was so broke because I spent all of my money on all these interesting classes. I want to learn how to do this. I want to learn how to do this. And so I'm really big into education. And then later I became a a Krav Maga instructor and had already been teaching, you know, Kung Fu classes for my Shifu, and then went to hypnotherapy school, and then recently just finished yoga teacher training, just to deepen my own practice, and to give my clients more rehabilitative tools, and all of that together formed Raphael Method, just a lot that just built and built, and I don't think I really realized what it was building to Until quite recently, I was like, you know, and then I was like, wait a second, all of this stuff had to happen because it's forming this moment, this powerful, you know, new thing that is is blossoming.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's... It's funny how you're in in that process and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it's like school after school after school. You're like, what is the point of all this? I'm just getting all this training. And then you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? How is this ever beneficial? It helps you, but like, you know, you need money for that. So, for you in that reality and, and going through that timeline with focusing backward on where you were at at that point of going to massage school and doing something with you know physical hands energy components of what reality what what was for you where was your mind thinking with that what would you say that you were struggling with how did you know that like this is something i need to do
1: i think it's just uh all of those those instances um one might would call paranormal or Knowing someone's gonna say something before they say it, all of all of those things, those nonverbal skills that we ignore. I think it just um, um, I can't really remember a point where it it was like a I don't know, it's almost like I didn't even make the decision to do this like it was just going to happen if if that can resonate if if that can sort of um but just um, uh, yeah. It's, it's just always been a thing
0: yeah and for people that are like you know because a lot of us don't do that don't follow that same track of saying like i know it's something i meant to do but my my mom or my dad or my parents or society are telling me to do xyz how how do you kind of
1: oh my family showed me who they were
0: yeah how do you manage that
1: they showed me who they were so i knew that Anything that they said was completely invalid as far as I was concerned. I know that sounds like oh, bad child, very defiant, but no, it was like oh if, if they say something is good, i'm gonna go do the exact opposite
0: yeah i uh, yeah, and people have that have have a lot of that in their in their lives f- for sure of just trying to again figure out how to, how to find how to find themselves so in your situation in, in aspects of just saying how do i find that like how do i find what tanya's talking about of like yes i know i want to be blank blank whatever it is right how how does somebody ignore the noise and become so compassionate or passionate in it
1: they have to face their fears they have to you have to spend time alone um you All too often I see uh, women or men go from relationship to relationship to the relationship. And oftentimes that that relationship is very toxic for them. And then they just, oh, I met someone else and he makes me feel like a princess. So I'm just going to go right into that, you know, time and time and time again. And so they're suffering abuse and trauma bonding, not love. And so they build up and they just they don't. Know who they are because they have never sat in a room with themselves. People are deathly afraid to spend time alone. And it is the only way to get to know yourself is to shut out the phone, shut out whatever for at least some time every day. You know, I would recommend someone that has never been single stop dating altogether for about six months. Allow yourself time to process those past experiences. Um, Process what feels right, because you don't know what feels right and how to react with the world if you've never just sat with your feelings, with your being, and ask yourself, you know, uh, Ramana Maharshi, I I agree completely with what he says, the path to this is self inquiry and silence. So, there is no other way besides trauma that usually will prompt a period of aloneness. But learning how to be alone is the only way.
0: Mm. Why do you think that is?
1: And nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. But it is the truth.
0: Why do you think, why do you think that we're required to be alone in order to find it?
1: Well, because we're constantly engaged in tantra, you know? This exchange of energy and words, this constant exchange. And every time you're around another person, you know, they're taking your energy, you're taking theirs. And so, especially if someone, depending on the type of, the energy type of person they are, you know, they, you're, they're more inclined to take in what others are putting off. So you have to separate so that you can realize what is their stuff and what is your stuff.
0: Yeah, we're definitely w- large regard able to um, take up empathy, if you will, not not in the aspects of like feeling other people's emotions, but in the aspect of just taking it as in as our own. For for that, I would say people people are probably wondering, you know, how how do I not isolate myself as a hermit. I still have a life. I find myself in the in this journey of finding myself but I also want to have friends I also want to have family around or whatever you know I want to have fun if you will because there's an aspect of human that's communal right there's an aspect of us that we need one another so how how do you find that balance
1: right well um, the more time you spend alone 98% of the time you'll want to be around others less and less and less you'll want to speak less and less and less. You know, um, for example, um uh, someone I, I know that, you know, um lives around me. Um every time I, I speak with this person, she's like going off and, and talking about something that someone else and it's always a complaint. I don't want to hear it. And so I just I shut down the conversation and or redirect it or just not have conversations with people is preferable. Um I you know, I go through phases where sometimes I'm a little more social than others. I you know. Um, but one to find that balance at first, first of all, you just you have to take a little time alone every day. You can still have your your balance. And that's that's the path of the yogi is actually finding that balance of the Maya material world and the inner world. And so when when the sages say do nothing, they're not meaning don't go to work. Don't cook your food. Don't, you know, just sit here and rot. That's not what they mean. What they mean is do nothing. Okay. So I'm in the middle of taking a sip of my tea. I did nothing because I'm not affected by this. Um, I did not disrupt my inner stillness. Take the sip of the tea so even though i took an action i did in fact do nothing
0: yeah so it's more 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 of the mind right more of the finding the mindfulness aspect of reality of just saying hey look i'm in the present moment now do nothing in that moment because i'm not doing anything but that so for somebody that is maybe struggling to find mindfulness right and even understanding mindfulness what would yeah do nothing how would you explain that
1: i would say um self-inquiry um when we think to look at, I'm, I'm looking at this cup. So for most people, this cup is the reality, but this cup is not actually real. It's a, because it doesn't produce its own light, doesn't produce its own sustaining force. It can be broken into a million pieces. So it's not in fact real. Um, so I look at this cup and instead of going, I am seeing this cup, you turn the attention inward. Who is seeing the cup? Who is observing is, you know, what, who is observing what's being seen and to just take the focus inward and constantly, when you take an action, maybe it's a, a a reaction to a, a nasty situation. Instead of reacting, take pause. Okay. Why? Okay, something did something to, to make you angry. Stop. Okay, it's okay to feel. You know, what they did was hurtful, it was angry, but to observe it, to push it out. Don't feel that anger. Observe that anger. And if you take a moment to take a breath and respond instead of react, it gives you that moment of self-inquiry. And to me, mindfulness is always about self-inquiry to know that if you're in a bad mood and don't go around other people, know that your energy is going to affect them just like their energy affects you. And so, you know, and when we find ourselves thinking of others, stop, reflect back into self. If, you know, if you're like thinking something negative of someone else, oh, well, you know, They just think that, okay, well, hold on. They just think they blah. What what do you think? Turn that attention inward. Why does their action bother you? And that tells you what you need to heal and, and how to be mindful for yourself. And anxiety, you know, everyone's plagued with anxiety. And what happens in that moment is anxiety, the mind becomes like a dog chasing its tail. And you disassociate from the body. So I've developed this like very effective method of, you know, like Edgar Toll tells people, focus on three or four things in the room to calm your anxiety. And that's, that's a really good in theory, but you're still disconnecting from the body. You're, you're, you're still staying outward and we need to bring it back in, right? To end the cycle. So what I advise people to do is, to when you're having that moment, breathe out exactly where you are heavy. Start tapping either your sacral, like above your belly button or part, even your leg, wherever. I like the sacral because it's the emotional center. And you start like maybe tapping, rubbing. Close your eyes. Imagine that you are something immovable, like a tree, a mountain, an elephant, and then some people also need, and then that's that three or four things of focus. So involving the internal dialogue, maybe saying something, um, you know, I can't control what's moving around me, but I can control how it moves me. And so what that's doing is it's breaking that dog chasing tail scenario of the mind, grounding it back into the body and you're involving the senses and turning them into the body, and it will 100 percent of the time stop a panic attack after about two to five minutes.
0: Yeah, I would say <clears throat> probably again, like you said, a lot of people suffer from anxiety in, in, in a form shape of manner of any, right It's just stress, reality that we live in. There's a lot of things happening, right? There's a lot of, a lot of changes happening. So with with that, I think that's really powerful in the regard of, again, just bringing inward just driving driving self-focus inward, what do you think, and for you in your life, and maybe this is in correlation to your own journey, and maybe mine as well, but what do you think is the reason why for years upon years, decades upon decades, centuries upon centuries, lifetimes upon lifetimes, we have never wanted to focus inward, why it's been such... A fearful space.
1: I, well, the, the absolute truth that I have found, um, is honestly, uh, about 4,000 years ago, you know, those people that are like, read my religious book, follow my path, this and that. They did this to us because, you know, you, you take, uh, I'll use the Bible as a reference, um, just because it's such a widely known thing. Um, I, first of all, got kicked out of church when I was seven years old. Um, the, I went to this private school, the preacher got expelled for an affair with the deacon's wife. You can't hide that. You know, we all knew about it. In his last sermon, he is talking about, adultery. he's making it sound like everyone's a piece of crap, like, like, like that. He just didn't do what he did. And so I stood up in the middle of church and called him a hypocrite got kicked out of church. So let's just say that, that, you know, Tanya's not getting on a, a Bible beating, holy roller thing. I'm using a widely known reference. So the Bible, even, you know, Jesus talks about thine eye and the kingdom of heaven is within you. But these people in control, your religious leaders, and it's not just the, the, Christian spectrum. It's the pagans. It's the Hindus. It's everyone, every temple that wants your money. They're like, look over here. Look over there. Go worship that statue of Buddha. But they never, and they say it, the books say it. They all loosely skirt around it, but they don't want you to look inside. They want you to keep looking out here for Kali, out here for Freya, out here for Yahweh. Look out there, you know, pray to God. Like you're praying to this thing outside, but they, they, they skirt around it and they don't tell you that, that, that kingdom of heaven really is inside of you. You know, you hear the new age dialogue of we're all creator gods. Well, anyone can say that, but they don't do the work it takes to get there, which is meditation 10 years, every single day. Now you'll have all these amazing things happen before then. You'll be able to know things before they happen. All these things develop. but they don't want you to find that power because if you find that power, you're not going to buy their product. You're not going to keep watching their shows. You're not going to buy into the advertising. And so they don't want you to look inside. They say they do, but they don't. And so we've been under this hypnotic spell as, as a world. I would say third, anywhere between three and four thousand years, this has really been heavily going on in our history, and so that—that that to me is the original culprit. Everything that is buy this product to feel amazing, no, that product is probably toxic, and you just ate plastic. Set that down, go inside.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. There's a, there's a, there's a lot lot to that, and there's a lot yeah you could unpack. And
1: there's my laughing Buddha trickster nature, that sarcastic humor that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 hundred percent and uh, to to the, to that point and everything of just saying again how, how do you how do you begin because again i think a lot of aspects of the the art of mindset of just again shifting into finding true self or trying what you're supposed to be doing and answering those questions from within
1: i think to start
0: require to go again so how do you do
1: Um, start by, you know, engaging yourself in, in asking yourself why, who, in regards to the self, not out there. And then I advise people every morning, if you have trouble focusing, um, you know, and I don't like all of these diagnoses. I think that that's just putting people in a box and self identity identification with a label of any sort. That is the ego. That's keeping you away from self to go. I am a Christian trans bipolar cat person. You know, that's all ego that all of that just took you away from yourself. So working to get rid of the identifying with a thing or I'm a goth or I'm a cheerleader or all of those dangerous patterns, but we're conditioned to do that. Um, Making it a point to get rid of the identifiers and then sitting With your breath, you don't have to, it takes time to learn how to meditate. So, um, I tell people just try to sit alone with your breath, maybe light a candle, looking at the candle flame and allowing everything else to go. That way, you can train your mind to focus on one thing instead of 20. Start small. And then, um, I did a video, it's on my Instagram, it's an older one though, about beginning to meditate, like closing your eyes. And paying attention to your breath pattern, maybe set a pattern for yourself, breathing into a count of four, holding to a count of two, out to a count of four, and actually doing this counting in the mind. And that helps someone that might be extra scattered to hone in to one thing. And then you take it a step further after a while and just observe the breath. Like you're just seeing your breath moving in your head, you know, or whatever center you'd like to focus on, you can play with that. But it's all about the breath and observing it. And once you observe the breath, the you start to feel it really fast. You might feel like a rocking up while you're meditating. And that freaks people out. and They stop. But what that's happening, what's going on with that is the body is trying to shake loose the astral body. It's astral movement. So, the body is seeking, and that's a process that takes several months um, or even years to where um, it, you become what Buddhists would refer to as two-bodied, meaning that the, the two are not, you know, they're able to be separate. You're able to separate completely from the body because this body is not who you are. This body is not real. It, is a, it dies. The consciousness lives on. So it's just, it's a vehicle. It's a, it's a temple. We should take care of it, but we should not identify as it. And then start off small because meditation, especially this sort of meditation, is very, very powerful. It doesn't. And so I would advise someone to start off five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. And then after three weeks, go to 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. And then another three weeks, 15 and 15, and building. As, as or as as fast as you feel you're ready, your nervous system will let you know, you know, um, your body will, when it's time to come out of that state, you'll know, will come out, but you know, it, it doesn't take much, but, and people are like, oh, and now I meditate anywhere around 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes at night, or if I am rushed in the morning, I always do, uh my, I, I practice Kayakobla yoga. So I do that in the morning and at night regardless. So if I miss my morning meditation, I'll usually do increments throughout my day. And then at night I have my long session, you know? Um, and then sometimes I can wake up and have plenty of time to do that. So I just make sure that I get that time in, but, and that seems like a lot to some people, but if you start small and you build to that, it seems like it's never enough, you know. You're like, oh, I don't want to stop meditating. Stay here longer, which is fine, you know. But it's hard to get people to take five or ten minutes with themselves a day. You have no idea.
0: Yeah, no, five ten minutes. Getting somebody to do anything for five minutes alone, just one task for five minutes, is very hard, uh, just due to the structure of life and how the kind of world's kind of been built
1: look over there buy this worship that
0: yeah yeah so for that for you i guess in in that regard of just in in your own journey and then into the regard of the mindset of just finding that and the mindfulness of finding that of just trying to find oneself being okay with five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes like how do you sell that to your ego how do you how do you get that buy in from self to be okay with giving up that much time or it's really not that much, but in the ego's mind, it is
1: I tell people well, everyone wants to feel powerful, right? everyone is looking for control, and we keep looking out there and you can't control anything out there so especially people that are more you know control oriented I tell them I'm like, you know. Either I, can, I don't have time for that. Well, aren't you the boss lady? You know, like, are you living life or is life living you? Because it seems like life is living you. And I will take a jab at them. Some people you have to, you have to provoke the ego. It's what they need. And that is this person's, you know, like, how to know the grace of knowing how to deal with people and what does allowing their energy to be who it is so that you know how to work with it. And so, you know, it may require that job. And usually when you when you say that to people like, "Oh, well, I thought you liked to be in control. You you can't control your day and give yourself 10 minutes." Mm-hmm. That usually Pro- it, it pokes the bear and they're like damn it yes i can okay
0: that's too funny yeah it's true and how, how that kind of works in that in that
1: reverse psychology
0: yeah reverse psychology so how how does somebody do that to themselves i guess of self-inflection of self-reaction or self-asking questions to themselves or just saying hey look yeah the, well does this really matter like i i say it matters but am i living the truth of what does really matters?
1: right um I would say for yourself to just um keep in mind that you cannot pour from an empty cup. And you know, if you can take a marriage vow to another human being for the rest of your life, but you can't give yourself 10 minutes a day for yourself, then you have no business being with anyone else. It's it's the airplane thing. I use the airplane analogy. So you're on the airplane, you have the masks that drop. It tells you put it on yourself before your child right and so you have to, you know it's like you know it's it's just someone it, it's a decision they have to make that their health their mind it it has to come first and then if if they really enjoy giving you're going to give better you're going to be better for the world around you if you're better for you.
0: That's no, true. It's funny how you brought up that analogy. It's, it's something that my background is a paramedic, right? So I, uh, I worked as a paramedic for, I don't know, 10 years. And uh, with, with that, that was something I always we always taught and instilled, you know, is that. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting. Again, it just makes me think of just bringing into other aspects of like military training and all of the sorts. But with with the aspect of training for ourselves, we would always say, "Don't don't run into anything, no matter anything that's going on. Walk completely, go slow. Like, right? Well, it's not your, it's not your emergency, it's not your crisis. Only thing that rushing does is distract you from the true aspects of what's happening. And then the even the Navy SEALs use the same saying, but we used to use it in, in in emergency medicine is that." We want to get things done fast, right? We want to get things done, like heal somebody or fix somebody up and, you know, stop a bleed, blah, blah, blah. But we would always say slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So if you're rushing through something,
1: Yes, we said the same thing in martial arts.
0: Yeah, yeah, same exact aspects. And the Navy SEALs say that the emergency aspects of, you know, trauma care and all of a sudden it's just that we want to get things done fast. And that's what where we're kind of finding ourselves in reality of society, of just trying to know, live life, do this, pay bills, get the to get the kids over there, da-da-da-da-da-da, lunch, dinner, pa. But the true aspect of it is smooth. And the only way that you can be smooth is by being slow. And the only way that you can be slow is by being intentional. And the only way you can be intentional is by being aware. So you have to cue yourself into the awareness aspect of your thoughts in order to move toward that that aspect. And I think that's a lot of what you're saying there. It's just, yeah. how do you drive that? Well, you have to first bring awareness. You have to first say, what am I thinking about? Because there's so many ideas of just idea after idea after thought after thought of need and need and need and want and want and want and want and that is nothing but making noise. And that's not fast at all, though it feels fast. It just keeps the mind busy.
1: Right. And it's busy doing nothing, like not even a productive nothing, just wasting. It's busy wasting. The three gates, you know, is it kind? Is it true? And does it matter? I think is is what those things are. So before you say anything, is it true what you're about to say? Um, Is it not hurtful? Before you take an action, what's the purpose? Just inquiry. It's all self inquiry. Um, Even if I place an item on a table, you know, when I have things decorating my home, each placement of every little thing has a reason for being there. It's not just, it, it It might be that I like the way it looks, but generally it's, it's some sort of, um, altar. And I use those as reminders, you know, like this reminds me to be, you know, to be like the tree, you know, to be mindful, like Buddha, to follow the rhythm of my heart. Um, you know, the, the sweetness of incense or, you know, burning wax. And then It's, it's like, this is, I'm actually in my house. uh, This is like my little meditation area, you know? Um, Or if you're, if you're going to hang something on the wall, you know, is it something that means something to you? Or is it, you know, just something you don't even like before you buy a purchase? Do I need this? Does this serve a purpose? Is it, you know, um, a shirt I'm going to wear once and throw away? You know, just I think uh, before buying anything, saying anything, doing anything, maybe ask yourself, what is this going to be in five years? If it doesn't matter, don't even do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, there, there's a lot of things that could benefit from that slower, thr- slower reality, slower thought process, if you will.
1: Yes. Just slow down.
0: Just slow down a little bit, right? Yeah. So for, for you and just, trying to empower people with some takeaway tools in that what, was there anything for you or anything now that you would recommend podcast wise book wise reading wise youtube video wise that would just really help kind of expand that mind a little bit in that journey of self
1: um books that really enhanced things for me um Siddhartha by Herman Hesse um it's very thin thin book very good book um uh, it's about the story of uh, Gautama Buddha, about like how he left his wealthy father. And uh, Hesse does a profound job. I think the book actually won a Nobel Peace Prize, or I know Herman Hesse did. So, And it might be for this book. I, I can't remember. Uh, those things don't matter. But um, Autobiography of a Yogi by uh, Yogananda. Uh, it's actually required reading if you're entering into a, a, a Reiki um discipleship with me it is required reading for my level 1 and um what else uh, the unknown man by yatri which is i read that book when i was about 15 and that that is that's an intense book it talks about how we have run out of original ideas and if you look at the movies and things that come out yeah we kind of have because we've limited ourselves with language and these external communicative Devices instead of focusing in on our gifts, our nonverbal, our empathy, uh, the telepathy, the the way we can communicate without words, because language has limited us in the way that we can truly express everything. Because uh, you hear people say, for the bliss of meditation, it's hard to describe with words, it's tell you everything right there. So, um, those are a few things that have really inspired me over the years. And uh, the Art of War, the Art of War, Five Rings, those are both really good.
0: Yeah, the Art of War. I think I have that on my bookshelf by Stephen.
1: I have it. Yeah, I have it over there in my living room on the shelf.
0: Yeah, Stephen Pressfield. That's it. Yeah.
1: So yeah, those those are a few things that I feel are extremely beneficial.
0: Yeah, it's uh, th- those books in itself. A couple of them that you mentioned are are really really powerful books. And while we get to the end of the show, I'm definitely going to put all of those books in the show notes again. But uh, if you were to give one piece of advice to a young person, young Tanya, uh, what would your w- words of wisdom be to someone that is coming into this, into this adulthood life, if you will, of just trying to find themselves? What would you say?
1: Look at your shadows do your shadow work. Shadow work. uh, A lot of people get confused as to what that is. So I think in middle school, as I'm watching my children go through that, they're building their shadows or the world's building it for them. So, you know, you identify as this type of person. Um, I'm the, I'm going to be the preppy girl. So the goth girl, ew, or the the you know rapper girl ooh or the you know ooh it's all ooh anything that isn't what I am what I think that I am this label and so shadow work a lot of people ask me what is it how do I begin that's the way you get to know yourself is your shadows the things that you don't like you know like say you just you know you're just a total I, okay I'll this psychologist that I watched a, a thing he did, about Jungian psychology. And he described it perfectly. He said, okay, he used himself. He said he was from Kentucky. And so his shadow was automatically the hick stereotype because he saw himself as this intellectual. So he went out of his way to not be the hick all his life. And then upon becoming more emotionally mature, he went on a weekend at a farm with his wife and then he realized, you know, riding this tractor is actually kind of fun and relaxing. But he never gave himself the opportunity because he made the hick his shadow. But we, we must realize that all of the things that you don't like are already inside of you. Face it. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's all in you. So we are the judge. We are the plaintiff, the defendant, the prosecuting attorney, the defense attorney, the bailiff, um, and the bondsman. We are all of these things, whether we like it or not. So just dig in, get to know the the parts of yourself you don't know.
0: That's it. That's it, guys. That's the easiest way to do it. You know, bound up into into a little playbook there. (laughs) I love it, Tanya. It's been really good chatting with you for coming again. Like I said, to the end of the show, and uh, I would say the tools and stuff that we talked about of just finding self of finding the inner questions of just kind of resonating with those and asking those questions a little bit more uh there's a lot of benefit there and i want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of diving into that so it was a real honor
1: it was an honor being here and I, I hope we meet again in the future. It was great.
0: Absolutely, thank you so much.
1: I really admire what you're doing. This, this, the whole idea of your podcast is—it's uh, inspiring. I like it. Beautiful. And I, I hope that, I hope that it becomes. I hope that you become like the the Joe Rogan of the wellness world. You know. Like,
0: yes, that's 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 one of the goals, right? Thank you so much. It's a super honor, and I, yeah, I uh, we have a lot to dive into and your show's been a real good a great one to get into
1: wonderful well i hope that it i hope that people take it and it's helpful and they become inspired
0: absolutely and there you have it another electrifying episode of the art of mindset wrap it up delivered straight to your brain waves if you're feeling invigorated hungry for more you're not alone So I want you to stay in the loop for one. I want you to stay in the loop with Tanya or myself. Tanya's information is all in the show notes. Feel free to head over to her stuff. You'll find some gems of wisdom if you're in her area to gain some more insights for how she did it and what she can offer you. If you're looking to get more information about me as well, feel free to head over to the show notes. And as always, if this episode struck a chord you're itching to level up don't hesitate to reach out uh, we're not just voices on your playlist as i like to say we're your co-pilots on this journey of mindset mastery and as that feel free to email me at hello at brian and let's get that conversation started As well as if you got any value from this show, do us a favor, hit subscribe, rate it, leave us a review. Your voice really matters and your feedback helps as the jet fuel that powers our mission to revolutionize the way you think, live, and succeed. Keep an eye out for our next episode. We have some good ones in store in the future. And until our paths cross again, Keep fine-tuning your mindset, and remember, life's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. So go ahead. Start shaping the extraordinary life you want to live, and you're meant to live. Thank you. We'll see you next time.